Hey, everybody, if you've listened to an episode or two of Unbeatable with me, you already know that I am pretty fascinated about leadership. Well, on this episode, I get a chance to nerd out on the topic because I get a chance to talk to Byron Morrison, a guy who coaches business leaders, who helps CEOs. In fact, he's a guy who is coaching entrepreneurs and helping leaders at every level be more successful. And if you were to just see the guy, if you were to just listen to the guy, you would think he's always had it all figured out. But in this episode of Unbeatable, Byron describes a moment where he's overweight, overwhelmed, and just can't handle life, doesn't even want to leave the house. And then things start to turn around because he starts to approach his problems differently. And I think when you hear from this episode of Byron Morrison on Unbeatable, things might start to turn around for you as well. So check it out on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Byron, thank you for joining me all the way from the UK. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Tell me a little bit about where you live right now over in the UK. What is it? What's going on in your part of the world? What's the weather like over there? Can you describe that for us? It's not actually raining and there's a little bit of sunshine out. So I think it's going to turn around springs here and I mean, essentially, if you look at a map of the UK, I'm exactly in the middle. So everyone always asks if I'm from London. I'm about two hours away from London. But yeah. That's because the rest of us in the United States have no idea about geography in the UK, except for London. So the only thing they know is to ask, are you close to London? Because they don't know anything else. Hey, Byron, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, leading leaders. So I consider you to be an expert on leading leaders. And I want to build towards where you are now, um, but can you describe what life is like uh, for business leaders? Because you've been coaching and you've been leading some business leaders. So I'd like for you to describe business leaders and then describe the difference between just leading in business and being the boss, the CEO. So let's start at the business leader level. What is the day-to-day demands of a business leader? So one thing that fascinates me about people who are thrown into a leadership position is they think it's just taking their skill set and doing it at a higher level. What most people are shocked when they're thrown into the deep end is that actually when you do actually become a leader, your days, a lot of it is just filled with dealing with people. You've got everyone looking to you to solve their problems. You have to deal with never-ending demands. You have to deal with conflicts and communication. And it's all these new areas of pressure. And there was a really interesting study a few years ago where they found that the best salespeople went on to be the worst sales leaders because the skill set simply wasn't transferable. <laughs> and this is really where I love the work that I do. Is I work with a lot of first-time CEOs and business leaders who are at a point where they're taking that big step up, but they're feeling overwhelmed by everything going on. So it's really helping them up-level their sales. And a lot of that goes back to their mindset. It's like, how do they process problems? How do they navigate challenges? And it's really stepping into not just being a boss but being a leader and someone who inspires others yeah i wanted to go straight to this right out of the gate with you because there are people driving around listening to this podcast right now saying i wish i was a leader until they heard your description if that means dealing with conflict and demands and communication and meetings all day long maybe i don't really want to be a leader if that's what the life of a leader is like it's definitely a tough one and i know when i started my first business this is something that i was completely unprepared for like when, after my first book came out, we were scaling the company, like I was very good at the, delivering the 
coaching mm-hmm. the, the being side of it, but I was completely in over my head when it came to actually running a business. I didn't know how to lead people. I didn't know how to manage teams. And I just became massively burnt out. And that was really for me where I realized I had to find a way to figure out how to do this. So I spent the next few years learning about mindset, high performance, managing people and dealing with complex and everything else yeah. to really up-level myself. And that's where I really now stepped into helping other people do the same. So it's been a trial by fire for me to then help other people kind of who are struggling through the same challenges. Well, let's now take what you've learned a little bit and would you help the audience understand the next level? So what's the challenges that go along with now leading at the top, being the CEO or the big boss, air quotes, of an organization? Like how does that change um, and the demands on the person when they step into that role? So one thing that most people don't realize is that when you start a business, you can get away with doing everything. You can be involved in every department, you can be in the trenches, Mm -hmm. but as the business grows and scales, your focus actually needs to become far more honed in. And one of the biggest pitfalls I see in CEOs who are stepping up and scaling is they're spreading themselves too thin. Because the reality is you're either going to be able to do Uh a few things really well or many things mediocre and badly. And this is where they become their own worst enemy, especially when they founded the company. It's their baby. They want to see everything done right. So they have such issues delegating and letting go. Whereas if you look at the most successful companies in the world, they have incredible teams who are building them up. And that's why one of the hardest challenges is really developing that mentality of knowing what is your area of impact, what are the only things that can be done by you, and then building people around you to handle everything else. You just described for some of the listeners exactly what I wanted them to hear. When you're now the CEO, you no longer have the luxury, and this is a uh, you know, a challenging word to use, but you don't have the luxury to look at and be involved in everything. You've got to be very, very focused on a few things and then have talented people around you. But you've already described it just now, Byron, when you're the founder and you gave birth to an organization, when you're the entrepreneur, which is really what I wanted us to get to discuss today. When you're the entrepreneur and you started off with this thing from its infancy, how do you make this transition to realizing I can no longer give my time to these three things over here, even though they're important, because they'll take me away from this one thing that is most important. How do you help leaders, coach leaders through that? Because that's a hard transition for everybody, even a mom in the home or a guy on the, you know, in a cubicle. That's just a hard transition for all of us to make. So you've really got to take a step back and look at the business on a macro level. And you've got to think, okay, as you, the person in charge, where does your time have the greatest impact? What are the things that can only be done by you? And that's going to give you a good sign as to what you actually need to build your support around. But the other side of it as well is also asking yourself, like, what do you really enjoy doing? Because if you start filtering yourself into areas where it's busy work and stuff that doesn't excite you, that's when you're going to start resenting the business. So that's also at the point where you can start hiring around the tasks you just don't want to get done. For a lot of CEOs I work with, they'll be finances. That's why they need a really amazing CFO to take ownership of that because they don't want to be involved in the numbers. Right. But it's going to be on an individual basis. So it's tying the two be t- together. Like what excites you and makes you want to step up and really lead the business, but also what is your superpower? And then from that, delegating accordingly. Yeah, and you were just speaking my language right now because I'm one of those guys that's involved with a lot of things, starting up an organization. But the finances, man, that is not what I'm really good at. 
don't really want to spend a lot of time doing it. We're still at the point where I do a little bit of it, but I I realized early on I need to get smart people around me that can do this because it wipes me out and I'm not that good at it anyway, so I just mess it up. But that goes back to self-awareness. So it's knowing, okay, what are your strengths? And then how do you surround yourself with the right people who then filter up and actually step up to your weaknesses? Like I've got a lady I'm working with at the moment and similar to you, finance is not her expertise. She's not great at it, but she still needs to be involved to a certain level. So for her, she's hired an amazing CFO and now she has to have a, a meeting every single week where the CFO takes her at a top level through their books. This is where their money is. This is who owes them the money and exactly where they're at financially. So she can know what's going on without her having to be stuck in the weeds. But at the beginning of the business, she had to do the bookkeeping, yeah. build it up. So it's just a natural evolution. As soon as you've got the capital, then you can hire and let it go. Yeah, um, I feel that pain right now. And I'm sure people that are driving and in business that uh, this isn't their skill set. They're, they're hearing what you're saying right now. Um, Byron, you've been able to coach leaders at a really high level because you've been able to lead at a really high level. You've successfully built companies and sold companies. Can you describe a little bit of your business background before we get into what you're doing now? Just to clarify, I've never sold companies. That's not my background. But for like for me personally, okay. after my first best-selling book, I grew a company working with people around the world to focus on their health. We were doing a lot of workshops and courses and coaching. That was our first primary focus. From there, I've reached a point where to perform me as a leader. That was why I said to you, it's just, I needed to go and figure out how do I become an effective CEO. I then, a lot of the one-to-one people I was working with at the time were CEOs and entrepreneurs and business leaders. And naturally, because we we're focusing on their health and stresses, these issues were coming up in our sessions. And I figured out that actually helping mm-hmm. other people get them under control was both my superpower and what I enjoy doing. So that was where, for me, it was less of a pivot and more of an evolution, where I saw actually that was what I wanted to focus on. So I changed the company. We rebuilt it. um, I then shifted the focus to CEOs and business leaders, wrote two best-selling books on it. And for the last few years, I've now worked with CEOs in 15 different countries to help them take control and become more effective in their role. So basically, you're telling me that you evolved as a CEO, your company evolved, and that's why you now lead the company Evolve CEO. Is that what I'm hearing? A hundred percent. It's basically the people I work with are the people who are in the situation I was in a few years ago, where they've been thrown into this new leadership position, and they're overwhelmed. Like, I'm not a business coach. People don't come to me for strategy advice on how to grow companies. Like, that's why I always say to people I work with, like, the industry they're in is actually irrelevant because when I'm working with someone, we put the focus mm-hmm. on them. We look at how they're showing up in everything they do from how they're managing their time, how they're dealing with their team, how they're navigating setbacks and dealing with stress and pressure. It's all about evolving them into the leader they need to become to get to the next level of success. Yeah. And if anybody's watching this right now, they see you as a very successful, you look like you're very healthy, very fit. For the people that are listening, they're hearing a guy who has figured some things out and is now helping other leaders at the highest levels figure some things out. And I think the audience, if they're not careful, would say, well, Byron's got it all going for him. He's He's been successful for a long time. 
But can we go back in time a little bit, Byron? Can we talk about what life was like for you about 10 years ago when it was really miserable, when you were overweight, when you were overwhelmed, and when you were just facing burnout and depression? Can you just describe how you found yourself in those situations about 10 years ago before you made a big pivot in life? Yeah, so you summed it up really well. Like Going back to that point in my life, I was really not in a good place. I was... Uh, 50 pounds heavier than I am today. I was stuck in a job that was killing me. I was burnt out beyond belief. And at times I was depressed to the point I didn't want to leave the house. And it was only after my dad's cancer. Um, he had most of his bowels surgically removed and he spent 25 days in ICU, mostly on life support and breathing through a tracheostomy. Wow. And luckily he pulled through. It's something I'm eternally grateful for. But that for me was the wake up course. Like I need to do something about my own life. I realized if I carried on treating my body yeah. the way I was doing and they stressed out my mind, like now it's going to be me. And I wish I could say that that was the epiphany that from the next day, life was magically better. But I spent the next few years, next, like, <laughs> right. a couple of years where I knew what I needed to do. I just wasn't doing it. Like whether it was my health, my relationships, my professional success, I constantly felt like I was taking one step forward and two steps back. I'd make some progress and then I'd sabotage it. And I just felt like I was going round in circles. So I like one thing that really comes to mind with this, I actually spoke to a PR company recently and I shared my story with the guy and he uh -huh. sat there and he was like, yeah, that's cool. But I've heard like bigger transformations and more inspiring stories. I was like, that's the exact point. I was like, because you read some of these incredible stories and you're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But I can never right. do that. But like for the transformation I went on, it's one of those things, like, I was just a normal guy who decided he wanted to turn his life around, and I did it. And that's why my whole thing is, like, anyone who's listening right now who's feeling stuck, like, if I can do it, so can they. That's why you're on this podcast right now, Byron. Not because you set the Guinness record for loss, weight loss or for turning your life around, but because you're a regular guy who was stuck in a really bad place and you found your way, I would use the language, you fought your way out of it. You refused to be beaten by your circumstances. So I wanna dwell just a little bit here on this one. You said it was so bad that you were facing burnout and some days you were depressed and you didn't wanna even leave your home. And I know that there's some people listening right now that are right today where you were then. What did you do on those days where I don't even have the energy to get out of my house, let alone to change my life? How did you handle those days? I kind of just got dirt. Like at the time, I was stuck in that uh, like situation where I'd gone to university, I did a master's degree in business, I was still young in my career. Mm -hmm. So I essentially had to go get a job to get experience to work myself way up. But I unfortunately got stuck in a company where it was a very toxic work environment, really not a great place to be. And all of that just kept me in a really negative headspace. But because I didn't have the experience yet, I could I was struggling to find different jobs. And then because I was really down on life, so it just became a battle to get through. But at the same time, I had bills to pay. Like I needed to live. So it was a case of like dragging myself right. out of the house going to it. But that made it even more difficult then to get my health contractor find a better position it was basically just trying to get through the day and that's why i put so much empathy for people who are just struggling to get by because i get it like when you're just in that dark headspace you're just trying to survive it can be so difficult just to keep your head above water 
Yeah. And you're describing right now exactly where some of the listeners are. But then you also use this language. And I know this is all of us from time to time. It's some of us a lot of the time where I make a little bit of progress, one step forward, and then I mess up or something bad happens and I take two steps back and I feel like I'm a failure. No matter how hard I try, it's never going to change. So on those days where you were taking one step forward and two steps back, where did you find the motivation? Why did you keep going in those really hard days? So after my dad's cancer, one of the biggest realizations I had is that far too many people are going to wake up at 65. They're going to look back at the life they could have lived and the chances yeah. they didn't take. And they're going to be thinking, what if? Yep. And that's why, for me, the big realization was that one thing that terrified me far more than failure, than rejection, than not getting it right, was regret. And I just became terrified of living in a world where one day I was just going to look back at all the things I didn't go after and regret how I spent my time. And it's still something that to this day is the biggest driving force behind what I do. And it's just all about, that's a big part of my message is just helping people to realize that you're going to regret the things you don't do far more than the things that you do do. And that's why you have to learn to just wow. start putting yourself out there. But at the same time, you also need to develop that self-awareness to be kinder to yourself. Because we're our own worst critic. We go into that negative self-talk where we beat ourselves up, where we feel like we're frustrated that we're not further along. But none of that is going to actually help you. It's all about recognizing, okay, where are you doing your best? Can you go to bed at night knowing that even if your progress was small, you showed up and you pushed yourself forward? That, for me, is such an empowering way of looking at it. I think like you do, I think about those times that I messed up. And if I'm not careful... I'm one of those guys that will dwell on the stuff that I messed up, what I did, instead of being motivated by what I haven't been able to do or haven't had the opportunity to do yet. I hope some people are listening to what you're here or what you're saying right now, and they're deciding, man, I'm stuck in the same negative mindset that he's describing. And really what I wanted our listeners to hear from you, Byron, is that you were in there and you felt this personally for a long time before you started helping people, before you wrote the book, Think Like a CEO. So how did Become a Better You, your first book, and then really Think Like a CEO start to turn things around for you and help you turn things around for others? Yep. So Become a Better You was basically just passing on everything I learned. It's when I lost 50 pounds and I become a student of everything, everything from nutrition to mindset and changing behaviors. And I saw so many other people who were struggling like I was. So I wanted to pass on what I learned. And then with Think Like a CEO and the effective CEO, it was basically after getting my business under control and becoming a more effective leader and then working with people in all these countries, I wanted to again pass on some of the biggest tools and experiences that I had found worked for myself and other leaders, whether that's on how to manage their time, how to get out of a reactive headspace or navigate challenges just so that people can not struggle like I did. Yeah, I want to get the listeners to your newest book, the one that's coming out in just a few minutes uh, or in just a few months. But before we do that, I really want you to, to spend a moment or two on the effective CEO and why that book was so successful at helping leaders at the highest levels with the right mindset. Can you describe 
like how the mindset can help lead you towards failure or how your mindset can lead you towards success and everything else is equal. It's all about the way that you think about it or your mindset in the middle of the situation. Can you describe how big of a difference that makes for the listener? Yeah, 100%. Like a, a core part of what I do and in the books, the message is getting people to realize that you can't change the past. And a lot of what you just said before, in a few minutes ago, where that's that whole tendency to beat yourself up or dwell on what you did wrong. If you want to be an effective leader, you can't operate that way. Because if you're constantly dwelling on things going wrong, that's taking your time and energy away from what you could be doing, finding yeah. solutions. So it's all about having that mindset shift where you stop looking at problems, you start looking at ways forward. You stop just being reactive and you start being proactive for what's going on. And the effect of CEO, a lot of it is on time management. It's looking at how do you operate at a higher level. But at the core, it's having that mentality of, okay, what needs to happen for you to show up at your best? So much of that is focusing on what you can control. Because when you're running a business, the only thing that you can be certain of is that things are going to constantly go wrong. And if you're always in a stressed yeah. out, overwhelmed state, there's no way you're going to perform at your best. So it's all about developing that mindset when something goes wrong. And this doesn't have to be for a CEO. This can be for anyone listening to this right now. You need to get out of a reactive state. Because there's a huge difference between a reaction and a response. A reaction is driven by emotion. It's impulsive. Whereas a response is calculated and controlled. And that's why every single person, I believe, needs to start working on their emotional awareness where when things do go wrong, you have to slow yourself down. Rather than just reacting, you have stop now okay what's actually going on here why am i feeling this way and then most importantly instead of focusing on the past what do you need to do about it to move forward that's how you can start being more in control i had a partner one time we were competing in this international competition and something didn't go right for us just the uh just in the middle of the competition it got in his head he was focused on it he kept dwelling on it and the truth was we had another day and a half of hard work in front of us. And I was trying to convince my partner, you got to let it go. It's not going to do any good to dwell on it now. It's in the past. We can't go back and undo it. But if you will focus on what happens next and do our best on what happens next, we can control that. We can at least control how we respond to what happens next. And I really feel like a lot of people spend time dwelling on what didn't go right instead of focusing on what they can do to help things go better in the future. The, the, the response versus reaction language really got my attention. In fact, I wrote those words down while you were talking. It's so powerful. And that's why that's the first thing I do with all clients. That's the first thing I talk about in Think Like a CEO and my new book, Maybe You Should Give Up, because I found if you don't get that shift and you're just spending your life where things are happening to you and you feel out of your control, you're never going to make progress. Because if you're always dwelling on problems or things going wrong, you're either just going to be on edge and constantly stressed out of your mind, or you're going to be focusing on everything going wrong rather than how you can actually move forward with it. So like you said with your partner, it's all about being like, okay, this has happened. I need to let it go and focus on what I need to do to pick myself up and carry on. Okay, so Byron, this is the point of the show where I wanted to talk about your new book. I've got to give a disclaimer to the listeners. If you're driving right now, if you're at home doing chores right now and listening to this, pay close attention to what I'm going to say next. I want you to go pick up Byron's book when it comes out in June. The title of the book is 
maybe you should give up. And that ought to cause the entire unbeatable listening audience, the whole unbeatable army to be shocked right now because this podcast exists to help people that are being overwhelmed by life not give up. And so you should be asking your, yourself right now, Jeff, why on earth would you tell me to go get a book called Maybe I Should Give Up when you have launched this podcast to help me not give up? And now I'm setting you up, Byron, so that you can explain what you mean by giving up in the title of your book, Maybe You Should Give Up. So Maybe You Should Give Up is not about giving up on your goals and dreams. Instead, it's about helping you give up on everything that Thank you're you. holding on to that is stopping you from going after them. Because over the last two years from working with people in 15 countries, I've seen that there's seven areas that every single one of us are sabotaging ourselves that we're holding on to things that are actually stopping us from making progress. So the book is all about helping people get out their own head and break through those mental barriers so they can actually move forward with their life. And that's what I want to spend the next few minutes talking about. Because whether you believe it or not, listening audience, I am a guy who firmly suggests, like Byron, you should give up. You should give up on fear. You should give up on insecurity. You should give up the anxiety that's holding you back. And part of the reason for this podcast is to help you give up on the things that you really need to give up so you don't give up the things that you don't want to give up when life is really telling you to give up on your dreams and on your goals. So Byron, you listed yeah. seven things. How? What are some of those things and how do those things impact achieving your goals or your dreams? Yeah, so as we touched on already, the first one is being highly reactive. Uh, the next one from there moves on to fear. It's all of your reasons why it can't be done. Then we look at prioritizing short-term thinking and what you want now at the expense of what you want most. We, we then look at fixating on the future and worrying about problems that haven't happened yet. We then shift the focus to comparing yourself to others before that moves into being too hard on yourself. And then ultimately, once you've broken through those six barriers, the final one is putting off your happiness. So essentially, the book is about taking you on a journey where you can get to a point where you're finally ready to prioritize the things that matter most. It's getting you out of your own way so that you can live the life that you want. Wow. I could spend an hour on each one of those seven things with you because I'm convinced this is where most of us are most of the time. Um, there's a couple of those in there that as you were talking, I was thinking, I really need to hear more from you. So fear. All of us deal with fears, even if it's just the what if fear. All of us deal with fears all the time. Some of those fears can be paralyzing. How do you help people deal with fears when they're real and it is very possible that something terrible is going to happen to me? How do you coach people through that one? So it comes down to firstly reframing the fear because a lot of the time we build up challenges in our mind and we blow them out of proportion. So we convince mm -hmm. ourselves if we try and we fail, it's going to be the end of the world. It's huge humiliation. And even if it goes wrong, it's probably not that big a deal. So it's first of the minimizing the fear and just recognizing where it's actually coming from and what is going to go wrong, the situation going to look like. The other one is then also reframing it as a way of tipping the scale in the other direction. Because a lot of us get paralyzed by fear because we're worried about what could go wrong. We need to tip it in a way that we can start to recognize of what are you going to miss out on if you don't go for it. Because when you start looking that actually the life that you want is on the other side of that fear, what are you actually like sacrificing? Whether it's income, whether it's success, 
time with your family, whatever those things are, and you make it more painful not to go after them, then suddenly it becomes easier to take action. Okay, I hope people heard what you just said, because my ears perked up when you said this. The fears that most of us deal with is what happens if I try it and I fail? But you just asked a very powerful, in fact, a much more important question, and that is what happens if I never give it a shot? In fact, I used to have a poster on my wall when I was a, a, early, a very young man that was the great Wayne Gretzky, the great one of the greatest hockey players of all times. And Wayne Gretzky's favorite famous quote is, you miss 100% of the shots. You probably already know the rest of the <laughs> quote, Byron. You miss 100% of the shots that you never take. And that kind of became my, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be successful or not. I don't know if this is actually going to work out. But I do know if I don't try, it will never, I have no chance of succeeding. So can you coach, you're an executive coach, can you coach people just a little bit who are right now in the what if I fall flat on my face and the world laughs at me moment, how do you help them reframe it to say, what if you never give it a shot, why don't you just give it a try, maybe it actually does work out instead of falling on your face? A big part of it is just getting out of that mindset where you're pressuring yourself to get it right straight away. Because so many of us are in this instant gratification mentality where we feel like if we can't do something immediately, we're not good enough. With everything that you, all the areas you excel, you weren't great at straight away. You gave your time, time to develop, figure out what was going on. And over an extended period of time, that's where you got to where you are. And this is where a lot of people get paralyzed by fear because they feel like if I don't get it right straight away, I'm a failure. Reframe it for yourself and recognize that actually all the mistakes that you make, the setbacks you go through, all of that is going to help you step up and improve. And it's merely just a stepping stone in the journey. So you've got to take that pressure off yourself, feel like you're going to get it right straight away because you're not. And when you understand that, you can see that it's okay. That's an important distinction because I have some leaders that I look up to. They're very, very successful. And even I, though I'm, I'm around leaders all the time, I, I'm sometimes um, swayed by the idea that they've been great at what they're doing ever since the moment that they started doing it. But the truth is, um, every leader that I know, they gave some things a try and it didn't work. In fact, they failed miserably time and time again. And then they figured a few things out. And then they started to become great at a thing or two. And maybe a good, healthy way of getting over your fear is to remember the people that you really look up to that are amazing at some something they didn't start off amazing at it chances are they fell on their face or they stumbled a time or two and then they figured some things out and then they became amazing so give yourself a break right don't expect to be great right away why don't you just expect some problems but you will get great if you keep working at it over and over again and it, it goes back to that whole just taking the pressure off yourself. Because when you start going into it, understanding like you're not going to be great out straight away, and that's okay. That just takes all of that stress out of the equation. And then you can focus on getting better. Because failure and setbacks is your greatest opportunity for growth. That's when you figure out what not to do. You figure out how to improve and to really get to the next level. Which is why anytime you fail or make a mistake, it's only a bad thing if you don't learn from it and you keep repeating it. Whereas actually, it's, it's a lot of the time, your biggest failures 
are your biggest turning points. That's when you can start to see, okay, this is where I need to go. This is how I need to do something different. Whereas if you just got things okay, you probably wouldn't have got the lessons. You would have just carried on and that would have made you settle for mediocre results. So yes, it may hurt in the moment. Bigger setbacks are the things that are going to propel you to the next level. You're giving great advice right now. I like to recommend that people fail forward. I'm putting air quotes around these two words, fail forward, which means of course you're going to fail. You have the permission to fail. And when you fail and fall down a little bit, why don't you fail in such a way that you learn from it, you grow from it. This is where the word forward comes in, that you move forward because of your failure. Instead of letting failure hold you backwards, why don't you fail forward but I have worked with a lot of people, and I'm sure you have, Brian, Byron, that have worked for a boss that never gave them the opportunity to fail. In fact, failure was the one cardinal sin that you could not do. So we just never had a chance to take some risks, try some amazing things. I never got a chance to really even see what my potential was because failure wasn't an option. My boss wouldn't let me. How do you coach that person along? It's a few different ways. I, you can either go in with an open dialogue and explain to them, like, look, this is where we're at. These are the ideas we have. We may not get it right straight away, but it's going to give us market research or information that we will then use to adapt and really gain them to understand what's actually going on. The other thing, and I know this is a simpler, simple answer, but find me a culture and company where they will let you thrive. Because a lot of people just, you, get what you tolerate. And if you're unhappy in a situation and you're feeling that way and it's not allowing you to grow, then that's a warning sign that maybe you need to move on. Maybe you need to go find a company or a boss who will give you those opportunities. So I would never just say to anyone, just throw in the towel and quit immediately. Go and have the conversation because sometimes that person might not recognize what's going on. They might not fully understand it. And when you communicate it properly, then you'll get clarity on moving forward. And if you don't, then you can start looking where you could. This is a great point in this uh, interview to talk about one of our sponsors. These are guys called Go Ministries. And you described a culture that allows you to learn, allows you to grow, allows you to reach your full potential. Well, Go Ministries is built to take local leaders and turn them into a, gro a global force for good. So I want to introduce you, Byron, to the folks at Go Ministries, and then I want to come back and talk a little bit about that culture just a little bit. Well, why don't you check out this uh, promotional clip from Go Ministries? Hi, my name is Will Parton. I'm the president of Go Ministries. Go Ministries empowers local leaders to make disciples. Over the past 30 years, I've seen our ministry go from one family, one church, and one school to over 300 local leaders making disciples in 150 different communities through church planting, sports, and medical. And we're getting ready to expand into other countries. The way that we define a disciple-making culture is when mentorship, mission, and multiplication are present. When there's that one-on-one -on -one mentorship between two people that are sharing the gospel, we believe that discipleship is taking place. And then when a group of people are gathering together and they're on mission together, serving their community that surrounds them, that's another part of discipleship. And then lastly, you can't be a disciple or disciple maker if multiplication isn't the final goal. So would you please join us in our disciple making movement and our disciple making culture by going to gomen.org.
Okay, Byron, now that we have had a chance to start talking about the cultures that we find, the corporate culture that we may be working in where I don't have the permission to fail, my boss hates failure and won't take risks, and I'm starting to think the environment that I'm in is toxic, but I got to pay the bills like you had to pay the bills. And so the idea of leaving my livelihood to go step out and to do something I would love to do, and I'm using these words intentionally, that idea is terrifying because I don't want to stay in this miserable dead-end job, but I also have to pay the bills. And what happens, and here we are back to fear, if I give my dream a shot and it crashes in around me and it's all a miserable failure how do you coach some people along to step away from what they know to go do what they would really love to do? It goes back just to recognizing that you're never going to know. So if you don't put yourself out there in a position to find out whether or not your dream and idea is going to work, you're just going to come to the end of your days regretting it because you're never going to know the alternative to any decision you would have made. But at the same time, I'm a big advocate of taking calculated risks. So if you're someone who wants to go and start that business or wants to make a change in their life, how do you do it in a way that doesn't add extra pressure on yourself? Because if it's you're just unhappy in your career, then rather than just going and telling your boss where to go, find a new job first. Make sure you've got a level <laughs> of security before right. making that jump because what you don't want to do is just it'll feel good in the moment to just go and quit. But then you'll have all that, oh, I've got to pay all my mortgage and support my family. Like I would never advocate for that. But if someone's listening to this and they want to start that business, Maybe it's a case you need to find a job that step back financially, but you're still earning enough money to pay your bills, but it frees you up to then build the business. Like that's exactly what I did when I started. Um, I found a job that I was doing for nearly 18 months on the side that money wasn't great, but it paid enough that I didn't have to worry about how I was going to eat and pay my rent. And it meant I could then focus on the business and because of the job I found it freed me up to focus fully on the business and what I needed to do. So there's so many options there. You've just got to be very intentional of being like, okay, what could you do that'll give you the headspace to be creative and build the business and everything else? Or how can you make a change before or things? So it comes down to a lot, an individual situation. Like I was very fortunate because I didn't have kids. There's someone listening to us right now who maybe has a young family. Maybe they just need to slow down a bit, except it's going to take a little bit longer, and that's okay. You've got to look at your own situation and then judge right. according to that. You're giving great advice right now for this global phenomenon that we call in the United States the Great Resignation. I don't know if you guys are experiencing this over in Europe, mainland Europe, or over in the UK, to the extent that we are. But there are many, many people that hated their jobs before covid they went home as, as a result of COVID and they worked from home. And then when the boss said it's time to come back to the office, they said, you know what? I quit. I ain't coming back. But they didn't really have a plan. They just knew, I hate my job. I don't want to go back. And if I could dream for a second, there's something else I'd like to do. But they didn't have a plan to get there. And what I hear you saying to the listener right now is don't be reckless, take some calculated risks, but don't go out there and take risks foolishly, have a side hustle to help you get to where you want to be one day. 
instead of just living off of the government or instead of ending up, you know, unemployed and losing your home and your livelihood and your food and you're living on the streets. So the message I'd love to pass on to younger me and anyone listening to this right now is when you feel backed into a corner and you're in a situation where you don't see how you're going to get out of it, what you need to recognize and remember is you felt this way before. You've had periods in your life where you've been knocked down. You didn't know how you were going to get back up. But the fact that you're listening to this right now shows that you did. And that's why you're far stronger than you're giving yourself credit for. I don't want to take away from the struggles, the challenges that people are going through right now. So I know people are having a very hard time. But regardless of what's going on, you will find a way to make it out the other side. You've just got to have that belief within yourself and focus on, okay, what can I do about this? Regardless of everything going wrong, all of these challenges I'm facing, what can I do today to start moving forward? It's all about taking back control for yourself and then look at the, how can you empower yourself to move on. That's a great piece of advice. You wouldn't be listening to this episode right now. You wouldn't be going through these uh, lessons right now if you weren't at least interested in trying to make a difference. And let's uh, consider those a success that you're willing to do the work to see some improvements in your life. Let me, um, would you explain to the listeners, your book is about to come out June of 2023 um, called Maybe You Should Give Up. And I want to remind the listeners, we're not talking about giving up on your dreams. We're not talking about giving up on your goals. We're talking about fear and anxiety and all of those things that are holding you back. But would you tell the listener where they can find that book, what they can expect from the book when it hits the shelves in just a few weeks? Yeah, so maybe you should give up. Inside, you'll discover seven different ways to get out of your own way and take control of your life. We've spoken about them earlier today, but ultimately, the book is about empowerment. Mm -hmm. It's about helping you break through everything that's standing in the way from living the life that you want. So the book's out June 27th, but it's available anywhere that you can order books. And for anyone who does grab a copy, um, I put together some pretty cool bonuses, including the audio books, video series, and other training materials. All right. So if you do order it from anywhere, just go on my website and send me an email, and I'll get all the bonuses sent across to you as a thank you. We love freebies. So for everybody who's listening who just heard the word bonuses, tell them where to find your website so that they can pre-order the book and get some of those bonuses. Yeah, the website's byronmorrison.com, and you can get the book anywhere from Barnes & Noble, Waterstone, Amazon, or anywhere else that sells books. We'll put links to that address, the web address. If you're driving, don't stop and get in a car accident to write this down. We'll put a link in the notes to this episode to byronmorrison.com. But the title of the book that drops in just a few weeks is Maybe You Should Give Up. And you heard already, there's some free bonuses if you pre-order that. I want to just tell you, thank you, Byron, for connecting with me from across the pond. Thank you for um, helping some of the listeners that are stuck right now in a dead end job and letting fear and anxiety hold them back. Thank you for coaching them along a little bit on this episode of Unbeatable with me. Thank you for having me on today. Wow. There was so much content in that episode. There were so many things that I took down and wrote notes about when I was listening to Byron that I'm gonna put a few of these things into practice this week. Like the difference between reacting to your circumstances versus reframing them and looking forward to the future and making problems from the past stay in the past instead of continuing to haunt you in the future. 
I hope that you were challenged. I hope that you were excited by what you heard from Byron on this episode of Unbeatable. There's a lot of listeners that are tuned in. They're tuning in every week, week after week. They're staying connected on social media. And I just want to point out one of them for you this week. He's our fan of the week. His name is Jap Willis Jr. And I just want to say thank you at Jack underscore Willis 34 on Instagram. Thank you for staying so faithfully connected with Unbeatable. Thank you for being part of one of the greatest listening audiences on the planet. If you're checking this podcast out for the first time, why don't you go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform? Why don't you go ahead and follow us on social media, any social media platform out there, You can find us by just searching at Unbeatable Podcast. But I got something even better for you. Like Byron, I got some bonuses. I got some freebies. We've got a free video to help keep you motivated when things are rough. We've got a free PDF download to give you great quotes and good advice when you're struggling and you want to give up. And all you got to do to get that stuff is just simply become part of the Unbeatable Army. It's totally free. Just go to unbeatablearmy.com. Thanks for listening to my friend Byron Morrison on this episode of Unbeatable. See you right back here next time. Mm-hmm.